listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Today is the day of a new series. We're going to start today with the book of Acts. And I debated quite a bit over this past week. And then I I debated a whole lot yesterday afternoon. Because what typically happens is I'll think I've got a good-sized portion of Scripture that's going to be a a good thing to deal with. And the next thing I know, I've got way more notes than you're going to be willing to hang around and listen to. And so then I have to start backing it up a little bit. Here's what we're going to do. Over the summer months, starting today and then in through the summer, we're just going to look at the book of Acts. We'll have some, over these next few weeks, we'll also have some folks that will be stepping in, filling the pulpit, and they'll, they'll be dealing with whatever God lays on their heart. But we want to just take the summer months to look at the book of Acts. And, and to see what God did in the lives of those apostles. But we're not going to get in a big hurry about it. We're just going to move through. And uh, if we don't finish the book of Acts in the summertime, that's okay. We'll stop there. I'll put a bookmark right there. I'll, I'll, I'll mark it. And, and we'll probably jump right back into it next summer if we don't make it through. Because we don't have to be in a big hurry. Well, we do want to take our time. And we want to learn. And we want to, to take in everything that God intends for us to know and to do as a result of this very powerful, powerful book in the New Testament. But as I looked at it, I recognized that being the way I am, I can't start a series in a new book. I can't start it without giving you some background information. I just can't do it. I I would have it. I could take it out of the notes, and I know good and well that I would start, and I would forget that it's not in the notes, and I'd start telling you about the background and the history of this book. So what I did is just embraced the reality of what I do, and I just decided, you know what? Let's kick off the book of Acts with just coming to an understanding and and getting a foundational understanding of what the book is for, who it's written by, when was it written, why was it written, and then get an overview, if you will, of how we're going to look at the book of Acts moving forward. So today is probably not going to be what most consider a normal sermon. Because I'm not going to exegete the scriptures as much as I normally try to do. But I want to give us a good foundation so that once we jump in, and we're going to jump in, uh, some of the content in the book of Acts has kind of been what God laid on my heart for the students on Wednesday nights. And, uh, and I was sharing with someone, I actually think the students get more preaching than you guys get. I think y'all get more teaching, they get more preaching. By God's grace, I don't want to leave y'all behind from what they are hearing and the challenges that we are putting before your students. And believe me, we're putting a challenge before your students uh, to live a life completely sold out and on the altar for Jesus because I believe that's the kind of life he's called us to. So we're going to get into that, and you're going to get the, 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 the type of challenge that they are But before we can get there, we kind of need to understand what we're looking at. We kind of need to understand what's going on. I like a a good sequel. 
And maybe you do too. You like a sequel. But so much of the time, a, a, a good or a sequel isn't nearly as good as the original. And that's one of the problems with a sequel. We get all excited about the, uh, about the, the, the sequel to a particular show or a movie that we enjoy. And then we're let down because what happened in the second wasn't nearly as good as what happened in the first. The book of Acts in the New Testament is a sequel, but I can assure you that you won't be let down from this sequel. In fact, what we're going to discover is the thing that happened in the original keeps going in a new and exciting way, and it had always been God's design to do that through you and me. And that's what's going to be the most exciting thing about the book of Acts is that it is something that we not only can relate to, but it is something that we are a part of. So as we get into this, we want to answer some questions about the book of Acts. We want to answer the who, the what, where, when, why, and then to round it off, we want to answer, well, so what? After we've come through, we won't ask, well, so what? What's that got to do with me? And I think if you'll allow us that we'll discover there is a huge so what in the book called the Acts of the Apostles. But let's just go down the line. Who? Who wrote the book of Acts? Well, we understand that the book of Acts was written by Luke, the beloved physician, and we understand this from church history. Uh, uh, way back in the, in the first century, first and second centuries are, are mentions of Luke, the physician, being the author of the Gospel of Luke and being the author of the, uh, the, the Acts of the Apostles. And we see that in, in church history and it is, a, it is a fact that is not challenged today. So when we come to it, there are books in the New Testament that some say, well, did he actually write this or not? There's very little uh, debate as to whether or not Luke, who wrote the gospel, also wrote the book of Acts. Luke probably met Paul, the apostle, in the city of Troas. The city of Troas is in Asia Minor, which would have been modern-day Turkey. And Luke probably met Paul on Paul's second missionary journey. Paul took a trip from Antioch in the first missionary journey, he and Barnabas, and they went through the region of Asia Minor preaching and teaching and came back to Antioch, took a break and went back through that same region, hoping to go further north into Asia Minor. But something stopped them. In the book of Acts, we're going to learn that it was the Holy Spirit who actually stopped them from going north into Asia Minor and sent them across the Aegean Sea into what is modern-day Greece. And in the second missionary journey of Paul, he goes into Greece and brings the gospel into what we would call Europe. And the city of Troas is where Paul came to the port and then went across the Aegean Sea. And that's where in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 16, the story goes from they and he and them to we. So we go from second and th or third person to first person. We. 
went from Troas across the sea into the cities of Neapolis and Philippi and Thessalonica. And so most believe that Luke probably came into contact with Paul in the city of Troas on his second missionary journey. You find that in Acts 16. And then it seems as though while Paul was traveling in Europe that he went from Troas down into Philippi. And again, we're going to discover in this book that in the city of Philippi, Paul and his friend Silas got into a little trouble over a demon-possessed girl and found themselves in the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the jail. And at midnight, they began to sing and praise God. And you know what happened. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but you know what happened. Something pretty miraculous happened. But we move in chapter 20 from Philippi from first person we back to third person they. So it seems that Luke went with Paul from Troas to Philippi and hung out in Philippi while Paul continued on. In the third missionary journey, Paul goes back over into the same regions through these cities in Europe. But as he came back, he comes back through Philippi and then back to Troas. And in chapter number 27, it seems that the story goes back from they to we. So it seems as though Luke followed with Paul on his second missionary journeys, on his third missionary journeys, and then all the way to the end of the book, it seems that Luke is the companion of Paul. He traveled to Rome where he stayed with him throughout his imprisonment there in Acts 27. Who wrote this book? The beloved physician. He mentions Luke or Luke is mentioned in the the New Testament only in the book of Acts chapter 16, chapter 20 and chapter 27 through the we component. But he's mentioned by name in Colossians chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Philemon verse 24. Luke, the companion of Paul, the writer of the Acts of the Apostles. So we know who. Well, what about the question, what? Well, what exactly is this book? The Acts of the Apostles is Luke's sequel to his gospel. Another way that we know that this connected to Luke's gospel is because both of them are written to a particular individual. His name is Theophilus. In fact, John, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball, and I am going to look at the first couple of verses of this particular uh, chapter. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So what do we have here? We have a work connected to the gospel of Luke, which was also written to the same fellow. If you look up the first four or five verses of the gospel of Luke, you'll find that it also is addressed to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus, we believe, is probably a Roman official possibly even high up in the ranks, possibly even someone who knew of Paul in his Roman imprisonment. Bottom line is that Luke, the physician, is communicating to him about the life of Jesus, and now he's communicating to him about that that happened following the ascension of Jesus back into heaven. Jesus Christ is the main uh, character of his first work, which is the gospel. 
And the Holy Spirit is the main character in the, God, in the book of Acts of the apostles. So we've got the story of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. We've got the story of the Holy Spirit and his activity in the Acts of the apostles. In fact, it might be better to define this book as the acts of the Holy Spirit rather than the acts of the apostles because there's really only two apostles that Luke writes about, Peter and Paul. But really what Luke is saying in this book is see what the Holy Spirit is doing in the beginnings and the progression of the church. In chapters number one through seven, and I borrowed this from Chuck Swindoll. This is kind of a, a, a breakup of the book, but I like the way he broke it up. Chapters one through seven gives us a record of the beginning, the birth of the church. When did the church begin? Here in the book of Acts, chapters one through seven, we see this brand new thing, like the brand new baby there was birthed in the book of Acts a brand new entity called the church. And she's still growing up today. It began way back then, but she's still going. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you're a part of her. Chapters 8 through 12, it, it reflects and, and gives us a, a small sampling record of the rise of the church how it came out of, of an upper room and began to rise and be seen and be noticed in the world around them. Then chapters 13 through 19 gives us the, uh, a sample summary record of the expansion of the church, how it moved from one place to the next and how it traveled over vast miles. And then chapters 20 through 28 shows us the challenges that the church faced as it is growing as it is maturing as it is spreading it came to face challenges so what do we have in this book of acts we have the sequel of luke giving us a sampling record of the works of the Holy Spirit, specifically in the lives of Peter and Paul and those that were around them. And it shows us the rise and the expansion and the challenges of the church. That's what we have. Do we know who, Luke? We know what. What about the where and the when? Where, where did Luke write this and when? Because it's very important that we come to understand this because if you've ever read the book of Acts, you'll have discovered that it kind of just stops. Like it, it, it ends not necessarily in a cliffhanger as much as it just ends. So why does it do that? Where was this written and when? Most Bible scholars believe that Luke wrote his Luke Acts book, his Luke Acts uh, uh, was it's a, a duo it's not a trilogy but it's a it, it's his two volume work from the city of Rome while Paul was in prison so Acts if you'll just kind of follow me for a minute Acts has 28 chapters it seems as though Luke probably wrote both his gospel and this work called the Acts of the Apostles while he was in Rome 
after he had come into contact with a number of different folks who had actually known and spent time with Jesus, and he began to pen this in the city of Rome while Paul is incarcerated and Luke can go and spend time talking to him and recount and remember. And not only that, we know that through church history, it tells us that Peter also found himself a prisoner in Rome at about the same time, which would make it very easy for Luke to go over and talk to Peter. Not only about the things that he had seen happen recently as a leader in the church, but also tell me again uh, about some of those stories that Jesus used to tell you. And, and, and to say, who else would know some of these things and, and so that Peter could send him? And not only that, Paul could spend time with Luke and recount some of those events that happened on this first missionary journey and the parts of the second that he wasn't involved with and the parts of the third where he had not yet been connected. So we think probably he wrote the book of Acts along with his gospel of Luke in Rome during Paul's first imprisonment Somewhere between 62 and 64 A.D. Why do we think 62 to 64? I'm going to tell you why. Because in 64 A.D., Peter, according to church history, was executed by the then uh, emperor of Rome, Nero. Now, church history tells that, but when we read the book of Acts, we hear nothing about Peter's execution. And if he was executed in 64, then it seems logical that Luke's writing would have been written before that. Not only that, Paul we know is executed in in 68 AD. And when you get to chapter number 28 of the book of Acts, we discover that Paul is in prison and he's meeting with folks and they're coming and going and God is doing what he pleases. And so it seems that this was written prior to Peter's execution, prior to Paul's execution. And the reason that Luke just sort of stops is because that's where the story stopped. And I'm going to send off to Theophilus all that he can know based on where we're at this time. It spans three decades. When we think about the when, it spans from the time of A.D. 30, when Jesus would have ascended, all the way into the time of A.D. 62. So about the first 30 years of the church. So when you read the book of Acts... You're not reading just a couple of weeks, but about 30 years worth of things. Now, how many of you are over 30? You have achieved the status of I'm over 30. Now, here's what I want you to do. In in 28 minutes, that's about how long you got to, uh, to tell. In 28 minutes, I want you to recount your first 30 years. Or, or just recount a 30 years for those of you who have a couple of them under your belt. You would go, well, there's no way for me to do that. Uh, exactly. There was no way for Luke to do that either. So what did he do? He, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, highlighted those events that he thought would make the most impact. Of course, we know that God was superintending for him to record those things that they needed to hear in the first century, that they needed to hear in the second, and that they needed to hear in the third, the fourth, and the fifth, the 19th, the 20th, 
the 21st century so that we might hear those things that would inspire and encourage us as followers of Jesus and a part of the church. Who? Luke. What a representative summary of the works of the Holy Spirit. Where? Rome, most likely. When? It seems between 62 and 64 AD. Now we answer the question, why? Why was this book written? I believe that there are several reasons why, but I want to read the first three verses of chapter number one of the book of Acts. Here's what Luke says. In the first book, his gospel, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Theophilus, I wrote the first work so that you might understand all of the things that Jesus began to do and teach, culminating in this amazing scene where his own people had turned against him and were now crying out to crucify him. But he didn't stay dead. He was buried, and on the third day, he arose. Theophilus... I wrote the first work so that you might understand the thing that Jesus came to do. I'm writing this work, Theophilus, so that you might see how the work of Christ continues in his absence, but under the authority of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his followers. You see, I wrote this to you, Theophilus, so that you would understand it doesn't stop with Jesus. It continues on in a new and an exciting mystery that no one had ever considered before in all of the history of God communicating to humanity. I really think that Luke said what Jesus came to do is the gospel. It is the greatest story ever told. It is the most amazing thing to think about God loving his creation who were wicked and his enemy. And yet he gave himself in their place and for their sin. It's the greatest story ever. It is the most excellent good news But Theophilus, what happens next? You're not going to believe this. Jesus is gone, but God is still at work through those idiots that followed him. Why? I think that Luke wrote this to commend the gospel to the Gentile world. Theophilus, look, 
Jesus came through the workings of the people of Israel. Those that were following the ancient religion known in the Roman world as Judaism. That religion that Caesar tolerates because it predates Rome. That religion that they allow to happen in Palestine, that thing that's just exclusive to them and just leave them alone and let them pray and sacrifice and do what they're going to do to their God, Yahweh. Let them do it because it's ancient and it's cute and it's really no threat to us, Theophilus. Jesus came out of that to open up the doors to all. I think he's writing this to commission the gospel to everyone, not just the Jews. Hey, Theophilus, you're a Greek. I'm a Greek. We're apart if we by faith believe. So I think he wrote this, why? To commend the gospel to the Gentile world. I think he wrote this, why? To further defend the resurrection. You see what he says right here? I wrote the first book to show you what he began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, verse 3, he presented himself alive. Theophilus, if you didn't get it in the gospel where I said, hey, look, Jesus was dead and then he showed himself to those that were his disciples and then he ascended. Look, if you didn't get it then, look, he presented himself alive. This man was dead and he's alive. And look what he said. He presented himself after his suffering by many proofs in my notes I started calculating all of the references in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John of Jesus' appearing to them. You know what they did with Jesus, these many proofs? They ate with him. They saw him. They heard him. They handled him. And not only that, in the last parts of the book of John, they experienced him in his miraculous ways when he called out and said, hey boys, I see you're fishing. Have you caught anything? And when they said they had not, Jesus caused the nets to be filled with fish when they obediently cast their nets on the other side at his instruction. Many proofs. Are you kidding me? We've seen him. We've heard him. We've held on to him. He's looked to us and he said, you got anything to eat? And he's eaten with us. Many proofs in the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul recounts one of the biggest proofs when he gives this list and says he appeared to Peter and then he appeared to the 12 and then he appeared in chapter number 15 of 1 Corinthians. He appeared to over 500 folks at one time. Many proofs. Is Jesus alive? Yes, he is. I think it's the gospel of Matthew that recounts how the soldiers went back and told the religious leaders, we were sitting there and the angel rolled the stone away and we all just sort of fainted right there. And the religious leaders said, we're going to give you this money and we don't ever want to hear that story again. And I think it was Matthew who says, and that story is still going around today many proofs is Jesus alive yes he is but Theophilus 
just in case you didn't get it. This is about the work of Christ, the risen one, carrying on through the power of the Holy Spirit and the people of God. I believe that Luke wrote this not only to commend it to the Gentiles, to further defend the resurrection, but I believe he wrote this to press forward the progress of the kingdom of God in this time. What did he say? Verse number three, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. If there is one consistent in the biblical story of redemptive history in the period of mankind, it is the kingdom of God. There are many ways that we can look at what is meant by the kingdom of God. Doctor, uh, the late Dr. John Walford, he had a, a, a list of four or five aspects of the kingdom of God that, that, I, that I have written down. And, and, and his explanation was, you know, the kingdom of God is both universal, meaning that God is in control of everything, but it's also specific in that God is in control specifically of those moral agents agents that look to him and seek him, those angelic beings and those who are followers of Jesus. But it also is even more specific when you think about King David and the promise that God gave to him about a kingdom who would have a king from his line and it would extend forever. And then you think about that kingdom that is to come and what we would understand is that thousand year reign when Jesus comes back and sets up his throne and every knee bows and every tongue confesses. And do you realize the kingdom program has not stopped? God's kingdom movement is still going on. I think that's what Jesus was talking to them about. When they were looking at him going, can't you just imagine them sitting around the table going, okay, tell me again why it was you died. I mean, because that was really, that was really agonizing. I was really scared until just, and I'm, I'm imagining Jesus going, oh, guys, listen, it's all been a part of God's plan. You see, for, for what we pray, and what do we pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For that to be a reality in the lives of sinful humanity, I had to come. I had to be the Passover, and now that I am risen, sin's bond has been broken, and now... You can live in kingdom aspects while you're waiting for me to return. And while you're waiting, I've got a job for you to do. And and we know it from the book of Matthew when on that hillside, he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I've commanded you. And guess what? I'm with you always. How are you going to be with us always? Hold on to next week. You'll find out. If I go, I'll send another comforter, the main character of the book of Acts. We know him as the Holy Spirit. Why did Luke write? I think he wrote to press forward in this idea of the kingdom. I I want you to imagine this. I know this this will be a little bit hard for you to understand. I want you to imagine, if if you will, this this arm. I'm going to lay this down. I should have had a visual. This is this present time. Okay, this is human history, this present time. I want you to imagine F.F. Bruce, the, the late British scholar said, in the coming of Jesus, 
when Jesus came to this earth and put on flesh, the time to come, the time that is to come where God is in complete authority and we all experience it. You know, God's in authority right now. We just don't experience all of it. But when Jesus came, the time that is to come invaded this present time. And you see how one hand overlaps the other? There's coming a point when Jesus is going to come back. We know that as the second coming. And when he comes back, he's going to start instituting that time that is to come. But when Jesus came, he intersected. He, he interjected himself in the time that is. And in this overlap is where we live. In this overlap, the time that is to come is a reality in the life and in the mind and heart of those who know Jesus by faith. You know why? Because we have the person of the Holy Spirit living within us in a way that had never been real in the present time. But it is now that kingdom aspect in real life, but in a unique way. Because it's not all done yet. We're waiting on Christ to return. Why did he write the book of Acts? To help us understand. Look. The way it was back then. Let's learn from it. Let's see the types. The shadows. Let's understand all we can about what God was doing in their life. But guys. Now. It's completely different than it's ever been. You thought David was awesome. When he had the spirit of God on him and, and, and the spirit wrestling and you see him slaying giants and doing that, you ain't seen nothing yet because the spirit was just on him. The spirit is in us. You think Israel was a powerful army? The gates of hell cannot stand against the movement of Christ's church. So why did he write this? I think he wrote it to say, Oh, man, you thought that first story was good? Man, that's the greatest news you've ever heard. But man, what comes after Jesus ascends? It is awesome. And guess what? It's about you and me. It's about all of us. I think he wrote this book to demonstrate the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. I think he wrote this book so that he might show the transition from Jesus on earth to the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I think he wrote this book to show God's movement through the people of Israel now to the people of the church made up of both Jew and Gentiles. I think he wrote this book to show how that as, as Jerusalem was the center of everything that God was at work doing, well, now the center is cities like Antioch and Philippi and Corinth and Thessalonica. And Rome and Winter Haven and Auburndale and Eagle Lake, which I don't even think is really a city, is it? <laughs> I think Luke wrote this book to document the spread of Christianity from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth, I think he wrote it to show us the way forward.
our way just as it was theirs. And I think he wrote it to set the stage for the ongoing work of the church in every generation throughout the centuries and in this one and in any to come while we wait on Christ to return. So what? So what has that got to do with me? Well, if you missed the point, let me go back and hit it. We study Acts to be reminded of what our purpose is as followers of Jesus Christ. We're reminded of what our purpose is because you all know, just like I do, we have a terrible tendency to get distracted by things that were never our purpose. The book of Acts over these next few weeks should remind us of what our purpose is. The book of Acts, we study to be reminded of where our power comes from to accomplish this purpose. Next week, we're going to hear a mandate that is going to seem absolutely impossible to you because it does to me. The problem is we forget where the power comes from. And as we study, we're going to watch folks that didn't even have email accomplish in the first century what Jesus told them to do but the work is not done because more people keep being born in every generation there's work for us to do and we're going to be reminded of where the power comes to accomplish what God has called us to do thirdly we study acts to be reminded of why it is possible for God to use us like he used them. You, you read your Bible and you see David, you see Joshua, you see Joseph, Peter, Paul, Mary. You see these in the scripture and you go, God would never use me that way. Not so. And the book of Acts is going to be a bullhorn saying, you too. You too, God wants to use you too through the same indwelling Holy Spirit. And then lastly, we study Acts. For those of you who are with us for the book of James, we study Acts to be instructed on what it looks like to face trials of varying kinds with joy, with obedience, with patience, and with prayer because it's all there in the book of Acts. The first century disciples doing what God called them to do just like he's called you and me. We're going to jump in, chapter number one. Both feet, maybe head first, depending on how you like to get in the pool. But we're going to jump in all the way next week. And I, can I just tell you, every subsequent observation of the book of Acts depends on us getting next week right. It depends on us understanding exactly what's being communicated. If we don't get next week right, we'll just read the rest of it like a history book. But if we get next week right, It'll change how we look at the rest of our life if we'll allow God to work. So I want to encourage you to be back. And I want to encourage you next week, here's what I want you to do. So that you're ready for the sequel, I want you to go back and watch the original. 
the book of Luke. You got seven days to do it. Read the gospel of Luke so that you'll be familiar with all this cast of characters, all these things that have been said, and watch these things come alive in the lives of those who were called and left, but empowered from on high. Let's stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. I know this was more like a classroom than a sermon this morning. But I promise you, you've heard the gospel. You heard it first in song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Can I tell you, if you're here today, the reason that we are here is to gather in the in the unified name of Jesus, our Savior, God the Son, who put on flesh specifically so that he might pay for our sin, and that means yours too. We're gathered here today because we believe that that crucified Jesus, God the Son, who put on flesh and lived just as you and I do, just without sin, we believe that that Jesus was buried and raised on the third day in proof that salvation had been provided, that his sacrifice had been accepted, that the door was open for those who would by faith trust. Maybe it is that you're here today and you go, man, I I enjoyed being with y'all today. I'm excited about that. I hope you'll plan to come back. But if in the deep of your heart you recognize I don't think I'm a follower of Jesus. Today would be a great day for you just right where you're at to just confess before Christ, Jesus, I know that you love me. I just, I believe in my heart you died for me. I believe that's true. I believe that you rose from the dead. I I know I need to be forgiven. I know I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. And I just believe that what God's word says is true. That if I'll believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, that I too can be saved. It's right where you're at. You can come to know Jesus by faith. That's the truth of your heart and that's what you believe. And if if you're thinking, I just would like to know more. Well, we're here to help you. We want to be able to. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you that Oasis Church is a part of the story of Acts. I thank you that, uh, that what started with 28 chapters and represented the first 30 years is only the first act and your continued work of which we are all a part who know Jesus as Savior. God, I pray that you'll give us the courage to see your word as not only relevant to our situation, but as the stage set for our response, obedience, to continue what has been begun. God, I pray for those that are hurting, suffering, pressed, squeezed, 
I pray that they might uh, recognize that that you're building in them as a result. I pray that they will squeeze and find themselves closely next to you, that they might hear your heartbeat and know your presence. They might be encouraged that you've not forgot them, that you're with them, that you have a purpose for what they're enduring, that ultimately you'll bring glory into their life. I pray you'll give them the courage to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, trusting and waiting. God, we know you love us. We know you want to use us. So I pray over the next week that you will give us a passion to know you more, to be used by you in the way that you want to use us. I pray as we go through the book of Acts that we will see what that looks like and that we too will be obedient. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.